RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. There comes a time in a surgeon's career when they'll start to think about obtaining their own medical practice. It's a big decision with a substantial financial outlay. And there's much to consider. What space do they need? Where do they need to set up their own room? Do they go it alone? There are also tax implications, structure considerations, and the option of buying rooms via a self-managed super fund. To discuss the details of owning a room is Simon Farmer, Managing Director of Walsh's Financial Planning, and Hugh Walsh, partner at Walsh's. First, Chris Ashmore asks Simon, when's a good time for a surgeon to set up their own room? You should be in private practice for at least a few years. We'd say a minimum of two years. Because to determine if you should buy your own rooms, you need to consider where you want to be geographically, uh, how big you might get in terms of your private surgical practice. These things need to be answered to determine the practicalities of it. How big are the rooms going to be? And if you're going to buy real estate really of any kind, the intent should be to hold it for the long term. The cost to buy and dispose of real estate being uh, stamp duty and selling costs means that it doesn't lend itself to quick transactions. So therefore, I would say you definitely need runs on the board first. You need to be out for at least a few years and have an idea as to whether you're going to work with other practitioners, other surgeons or work on your own. So what are the pros and cons of owning your own rooms? Hugh? Yeah, it's really important before you make a decision to go through the the benefits and the cons because there are a few on each side of the ledger. In terms of benefits, one of the best strategies about owning rooms, potentially via a self-managed super fund, is the tax rate. It's a concessional tax rate of only 15%. The second point is the ability to pay rent into your self-managed super fund over a long period of time, such as 20 years. And thirdly, ideally we're after an asset with good capital growth over a long period of time. But on the other side of the ledger, it's important to think about the cons. Complexity reigns with setting up a self-managed super fund and the process is complicated, so it's important you think about that. There's significant cost in buying your own rooms, both from the setup and the ongoing maintenance of those rooms. And that ties into being a big financial commitment, you know. If you're early on in your private practice years, you want to think about whether it's the right time to do it because undertaking such a big financial commitment does require a big decision. Well, if we look at the practicalities then, where does a surgeon buy their own room? Well, it's important to think about firstly the space and how much you're going to need. And one of the things we often talk to clients about is not just thinking what your practice might look like today, But what does it look like in the short to medium and long term? The last thing you want to do is outgrow that space, as we touched on before, and have to go through the process of upgrading into a bigger space. Consideration needs to be given to where you might be operating. As a surgeon, you want to be close to the hospital. So when you're doing your consulting, you want to be able to pop over to the hospital and do your operations. Parking and zoning are obviously very important. Our advice is always to seek advice and and it's from a specialist in the search and negotiation of the property. Well, typically, is a surgeon buying a room for him or herself or with colleagues? Simon? That's really a question for the surgeon, Chris. It's a difficult one for us uh, to answer. I think coming back to our first point, should I buy my own rooms? Well, 
if you've been in private practice for at least a few years, you will get an idea as to whether you are going to go solo for the remainder of your career or whether you are better suited to be a multi-surgeon practice. So it's different for everybody and we've guided uh, surgeons uh, through both outcomes. Some find themselves with a group of colleagues that they align with professionally and ethically and socially very, very well. That can lend itself to a great long-term relationship with those colleagues. Others, it's clear that they are better to practice um, on their own. So there's no right or wrong answer to that one. It's based on the circumstances that present the surgeon when they're looking to make that jump. How does a surgeon then actually buy a room? Well, there's a number of different ways to do it, whether that's in your own name, which we would definitely not recommend. It's either going to be a family trust or a self-managed super fund. We probably lack the time today to fully pull apart every option. So we'll go to the most common option and the most logical option, which is typically having a self-managed super fund own it. Uh, The key factor here, taxation rate within superannuation at 15% or 10% for discounted capital gains. So that being the case, if the majority of the earnings of the asset, and remember when we buy our rooms here, this is an investment that you're making. So the bulk of the return on this investment is going to come via income. So the yield or the income on a commercial property, including consulting rooms, is typically in the bracket of, say, 5 to 8%, which is around about double that of residential property. So therefore, it lends itself very well to the superannuation environment where tax on income is going to be capped at 15%. That's a critical factor. Now, if you're going to own your rooms via your self-managed super fund, it is very common that you may not have enough capital within the fund to buy the rooms outright. So we're going we're gonna to focus on that a little bit for the rest of the talk because this is where complexities come in. So you're going to need what's called a limited recourse borrowing arrangement or a loan within super. And that loan means that the asset must be held within a bear trust within the self-managed super fund. And so this becomes a complex transaction. If you're going to own it with colleagues, it's most likely to be what's called a unit trust and each of the surgeons or each of the surgeons' superannuation funds will typically own units in the unit trust, and that's how the asset's owned. Well, let's turn to self-managed super funds. Well, what's the process of buying rooms via an SMSF? Well, let's start with a self-managed super fund to begin with, Chris. So if you're going to set up a self-managed super fund, then the regulator would have an expectation that you know that you are now the trustee of that super fund and you have availed yourself of the rules. So you need to understand the trustee responsibilities and adherence to Australian tax law. So we don't have time today to go through each of them, but you will need professional advice to have all of this explained to you. You're going to need a a statement of advice. The tax office will ring people up who have set up a self-managed super fund and quiz them as to why they've done it, have they received formal advice, and do they understand their obligations as a trustee running a self-managed super fund. It's also a requirement that the trustees of the self-managed super fund give consideration to life insurance. If you're going to have a loan, which is quite common when you're owning uh, consulting rooms within a self-managed super fund, it's logical that you would have life insurance within the super fund. The process can be a bit complicated, and this comes into finance, Chris. 
Well, let's turn to that. How would they finance a room with a self-managed super fund? Well, basically, I mentioned it before that this term limited recourse borrowing arrangement, essentially what that means is the loan within the self-managed super fund cannot have recourse over any other assets within the fund other than what the loan was intended for, which is the rooms. So therefore, the loan or any default on it can only have recourse against those rooms, not the shares that might also be in the fund or cash and so forth. It's just the rooms. Therefore, we bring in another entity, which is called a bear trust. And the bear trust is held within the self-managed super fund. Once the debt is paid off, there is no further need for the bear trust. It disappears and all the assets are simply owned within the self-managed super fund themselves. Surgeons should consider the borrowing capacity. Now, the lender's going to look at your ability to make full concessional contributions into super. So that's $27,500. And they'll look at both yourself and your partner. Can both of you make $27,500 contributions to superannuation? That may not be the deal breaker, but it's certainly a major consideration. What's the rent that's going to be charged? And remember, you need to validate the rent that you're going to charge yourself. You can't just pick any number. It has to be a a formal appraisal backed up with evidence to support the amount that you've got. The lenders are limited that are going to offer lending to self-managed super funds for this purpose. It's not like mortgage broking for a residential property when there's a large number of lenders out there. There's not many that will do this. Uh, So your mortgage broker will know that. The cost of the transaction is significant. We mentioned the bear trust, all the legals and so forth. This is going to run over $10,000. This is not a cheap transaction that you've got here. It's definitely one for the long term. But basically the maths that we look at is how much can we put in in contributions? How much is the rent going to be? How much is the loan going to be? How quickly can we pay down this loan? We really don't want a big loan sticking around within your super fund like a bad smell. We can't tax deduct this and negatively gear it to the same way that we can negatively gear residential property at the top marginal tax bracket. That's not the case here. We've got a 15% tax rate within super. You're not getting great benefit from tax deductions in there as a result. Well, there's certainly a lot to consider. If a surgeon is looking at purchasing their own room, who should they engage? Hugh? There's a multitude of people that should be engaged and at different stages. Certainly the property specialists, as I touched on before, touching base with them, connecting to buy those rooms, Engaging with a lawyer, it's a complicated structure. You know, you might need a union holds agreement. You're definitely going to be need a review of the purchase contract and conveyancing. You're going to need an accountant to assist with the setup and the ongoing support of that self-managed super fund and a financial planner and mortgage broker. The financial planner to assist with the statement advice and, of course, a mortgage broker to assist with the lending. Well, in terms of a fit-out, how do you recommend they structure and finance a fit-out? Yeah, the fit-out's a bit different in terms of where we might want to own the fit-out. So superannuation rules really negate the ability to do large property improvements with inside super. So we can have the fit-out owned by the service entity, which gets around those rules. But the other reason why we might want to do that is it's likely the service entity will have a higher tax rate than the self-managed super fund, potentially the company tax rate of 25%. 
and also small businesses with turnover of less than a certain amount get access to the immediate tax write-off. And so they may be able to depreciate the fit-out in a much faster rate. To finish up with, any other considerations? I thought we'd finish by just three key takeaways in terms of how we might wrap this up. You know, the first one is engage advise early on. If you're thinking about doing this, it's really important you engage them. These things are complicated and they take time. The second one is really important to consider the vision of your practice, short, medium and long term. As I said before, the last thing we want to do is outgrow these rooms in a short period of time. And finally, it's a reminder that this is a complex strategy. There's a lot of moving parts, but certainly how we find with a lot of our clients, long term, it's an extremely productive and beneficial strategy to do. Hugh Walsh and Simon Farmer, Walsh's. Please remember, as this general advice has been prepared without taking account of your objectives, financial situation or needs, you should consider the appropriateness of this advice before acting on it. If this general advice relates to acquiring a financial product, you should obtain a product disclosure statement before deciding to acquire the product. RAC's Post-Op Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.